0: You're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health with your hosts, Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Today's episode
1: of Allied Health Podcast is brought to you by Callum Wilson and Co., Australian immigration specialists. We chat with Justin Wilson, who outlines what's involved in sponsoring an overseas trained therapist to work in Australia. Justin, welcome to Allied Health
0: Podcast.
2: Thanks, Claire and Danielle. Nice to be here.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so with such a shortage of allied health therapists Australia wide, more and more uh, of our clients and employers are looking at the option of attracting overseas trained therapists, in particular UK, Canadian and South African trained OTs, speechies, and physios. And with this comes the need to sponsor these therapists to work here. Sure. So if
1: you don't mind, Justin, we'd love to pick your brain for the next 20, 25 minutes or so um, on everything sponsorship. Um, Before we get started, are you just happy to outline the role of a migration specialist?
2: Sure, sure. Well, to assist somebody with either the visa process or the nomination process, you either need to be a registered migration agent uh, or a solicitor. And uh, that legally permits you to assist in going through the overall process, which involves outlining to a client, whether it's, again, the, the applicant or the sponsor, what their obligations are and what the requirements are to proceed through from start to finish successfully. Mm-hmm. It varies according to every occupation, every country somebody comes from, um, and the type of uh, visa you want to sponsor somebody for. there are There are a host of employer-sponsored visas, but the ones that are probably most relevant to... Uh, to, to your workplace are the 482 employer-sponsored visa. That often transitions to permanent residence and it's an attractive way to encourage somebody to come in the first place if they can expect to go through the process and become a permanent resident if that's what they want. Um, there are regional-sponsored visas, which is a 494, which have slightly varied requirements and perhaps a little bit easier for a regional employer to go through, but with, with again, specific particular regional certified regional certifying body criteria that would need to be fulfilled so so our role is just trying to explain to people specifically what they need to do to to bring in uh, applicants successfully
1: mm-hmm. okay so if we go pair it back to basics um if we take the scenario of um yeah, and an employer that's looking to an employ employer, employer speechie or an OT or a physio, say from the UK or Canada or South Africa, um, we've put together roughly ten questions. So if we can just work our way through those, that would be great. Sure. Um, so, as an employee employer, how can I employ um, a speechie or an OT or a physio who doesn't hold entitlement to work in Australia?
2: Well, first of all, you you need to apply to the Department of Immigration to be approved as an employer sponsor. And if we just narrowly target the four eight two employer sponsored temporary working visa, which is a four year visa uh, or up to four years, the first step in the process is an employer applies to be to be approved as a standard business sponsor with the Department of Immigration. That's a process they only need to go through once every five years, um, and really it's just based on financial financials, business being viable, um, and it's a relatively straightforward process. There, and how long,
1: sorry, Justin, how long does that take, that that process?
2: I would say, on average, two to three months. It, it, I guess, again, because of COVID, it's jumped around all over the place. There, There are two types of employer sponsorships. One is accredited and one is a standard business sponsor, and you need to meet unique criteria to be accredited. But the benefit of being an accredited employer sponsor is basically your nomination applications are approved within days rather than again talking about time frames you know perhaps four months if if we're we're a standard business sponsor
0: mm-hmm. okay. and from an employer perspective does it make a difference if if they're based metropolitan or regional or rural in australia
2: uh not for a four eight two so the the regulations are exactly the same the, the they're they're lodged through IMI account, which is a department portal, and the the processing times don't really vary too much um, because no regional authority is involved in that particular process. You can certainly put in submissions to argue for for a for a shortened period of processing, but it's it, it it's difficult to 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 have that happen. So, for a standard business sponsor, you know, you would suggest to somebody your standard business sponsorship might take two months, your nomination might take another three to four months. You would be preparing the nomination while you're undertaking the standard business sponsorship. And then the the nomination, unless somebody comes from a country like Canada where there's an international trade agreement, requires the job to be advertised for a month before you're able to lodge a nomination application. So, The normal process would be while the standard business sponsorship was being processed, you'd also be advertising the job.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So what's involved in the process of, so what do you say? You've you've gained, you're registered to sponsor someone?
2: So so there's three steps. So step one is you're a standard business sponsor. As a general comment, that's quick and easy and that's done and that's out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then step two is you, you apply for the position to be approved As a nominator, that means every time you want to employ a physio, speechy, OT, you need to basically provide a position description, employment contract, um, an argument that you have a genuine need to fill somebody in the position, and then you you put that into the Department of Immigration as a nomination application. And then that is step two. And then, separate to that, step three is the actual visa application, which is not really about the employer. It's all about the the employee having the skills to do the job here.
1: Right. And so step two and step three, what are the timeframes around those two steps? And I'm betting that you're going to say it largely takes on how it's largely based on how efficient or dependent on how efficient both the therapist in this case and the employer employer are in terms of...
2: But what you would do, and again, part of our role is when you lodge an application, you're encouraged to make it decision-ready. So, you know, so as the nominator, that means putting together all of that relevant paperwork and, and then that might, again, be a three-month process. You can choose to do the nomination and the visa application concurrently um, to, to foreshorten processing timeframes with, with the downside of that Approach being if the nomination is refused, the visa has to be refused, and then you've wasted uh, the visa application fee. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: So Claire, Claire asked it briefly, but in in general, if I'm a OT therapy practice owner and want to go through this process, I'd probably be looking at at least six months to get somebody out here.
2: Yeah. It, what what we you know what we find is a lot of the people are already here on working holiday visas um and then they they transition from the working holiday visa through through to one of these other visas whereas if they're coming from offshore then you 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 have to be aware both as the, the nominee and the nominator that that it's potentially in that 4 to 6 month um pool now if you were to go to the the ot website for the skills assessing authority um that they've currently got a link saying that the department is is prioritising applications in that particular area so the department is recognising that that there are shortages and the expectation is that 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 will you know flow through to to how quickly these applications are processed but the reality is you still have to provide police clearances you still have to do medicals um, and the, these are all steps that that in and of themselves don't take a long time. But, but overall, yeah, I mean, you, you might be looking at a six-month process.
1: Mm-hmm. So what costs are involved, Justin? Um,
2: so the, the sponsorship fee is is not expensive. So that's step one. So that's $420 and then that's gone. You've paid that again for the five-year block. The nomination fee isn't, isn't too expensive either. It's $330 to lodge a nomination each time you want to nominate a position. But then what you have to do is you have to pay what's called a Skilling Australia Fund levy. And so in the old days, if any of your your, um, your clients have been sponsoring people, you, you just showed you had a history of training Australian permanent residents and citizens and you didn't have to pay a levy. The Department of Immigration have changed that. So now every time you sponsor somebody, you basically have to pay a levy of $1,200 $1, per year that you sponsor somebody for. So normally you wouldn't want to go through this process more than once, so you would sponsor somebody for four years. So normally that would mean you're paying a $4,800 sponsorship levy. And, so, uh, and those costs have to be borne by the employer. They can't be passed on to the visa applicant. And then beyond those nomination costs, which let's pretend that all adds up to about $5,500, the visa costs are $2,690 for the visa applicant double that if they've got a spouse and add more money if they've got children. So it's it's not a cheap uh, exercise and, you know, on average it's it's probably close to a $10,000 process.
0: Mm, that's interesting. And, and you've just said as well that you can't ask the nominated um, person to pay or share in the costs of the sponsorship?
2: Correct, correct. So they can pay for the visa component of the application but they cannot pay for the the nomination or the sponsorship component.
1: And Justin, what was that? What was that visa component for the therapist? Uh, basically,
2: thousand seven hundred dollars.
1: Right. Okay. So you can't write into a contract that, or can you write into a contract that they need to repay you a certain sum of money if they, if they don't no, no, see out no, the no, first twelve months? No. Of no the and, role? You,
2: and you and you literally put in a declaration to say that that, that you haven't done that. And um, if somebody was to do that as a separate employment contract, normally if, if anything goes pear-shaped, that, that finishes up at fair work and, and it's no good for anyone. Mm. Um, so, so, no, that's not a pathway to go down. What people often do is, I don't know, you, you, know, you might pay somebody $5,000 less per annum um, if that's, that, that's going to affect that. But you are supposed to be paying people market wage so mm-hmm. you've got to be saying that I'm paying the overseas employee exactly the same mm-hmm. as as I am or would be paying the Australian employee. A
0: local employee, yeah. Mm-hmm. What restrictions are placed on the employee once they've been sponsored?
2: Um, they have what's called an 8107 condition on their visa, which means they can't work for anyone else. So they can't do a part-time job on the weekend. Um, you can't, if you have a t- downturn in your work, you can't... Um, say, yes, you can go and work somewhere else. You you have to basically work for the person or the organisation, the ABN that sponsors you.
0: And so they can't move to another role unless they're sponsored by another employer. Correct. And they can't
2: move until the other employer's nomination application is successful. So if somebody um, you sponsored arrived here on their visa and then decided that the grass was greener somewhere else, that they can... Ask the other employer to sponsor them, and that that probably wouldn't be information that they would share with you, uh, but they can't move to the other employer until that separate nomination is approved
1: mm. this probably isn't in your domain justin but what what do you do if an employee that you've sponsored isn't performing in the role can you well, you can
2: terminate your contract will be this the same as um, any other acceptable employment contract and uh, what you do do is that you you sign up to undertake certain sponsorship obligations in the case that let's pre- let's pretend you did um, sack someone you you are potentially liable for the cost of their return to their home country now i've been mm-hmm. I've been doing this for thirty years, and in that time we have had one of those scenarios come up so People, and the
1: employer did have to pay for their return to
2: um return them to the yeah business. so so it cost them basically you know the cheap the, the cheapest flight to the nearest port in the person's country of passport mm. so it might you know so it might be an additional cost of $1000 but it's it's an un, it's unlikely to happen because if somebody wasn't performing um they would still probably want to stay in Australia. So that that they might apply for another. So they might be out here and might get married and then be sponsored for a partner visa mm-hmm. um, or do something along those lines or apply for a visitor or do something else. So it's it's very unlikely that they would go through that process. But it is you you sign up to sponsorship obligations. So mm.
1: um is it is there an option to um go through this process of sponsoring someone with out using the services of a of a migration specialist or an immigration yeah, specialist.
2: Ab- absolutely, the the law would um, would require me to say, under no circumstances are you obligated to use somebody to 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 assist you. It's it's a decision um, that a business makes that it's that it's in the same way that you might decide to use a tax agent or a, an accountant rather than return do your own tax return or. Uh, you might decide to use a conveyancer rather than doing conveyancing when you purchase property. It's um, it's quite unique knowledge, so it's something that most employers wouldn't want to spend the time required and deal with the paperwork required to 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 bury themselves in all of that. So that's that's what why we are used for these sorts of things.
1: Yeah, if I was a busy practice owner, I would be. Looking to outsource it. <laughs> to yes. a
2: yeah. There's there dealing dealing with the department is a time consuming process, mm-hmm. and there are, there are there are also expensive mistakes. So if um, so, when you nominate somebody for a visa, you have to advertise that position for 28 days in three particular publications with particular wording, um, and you know one of the most common pitfalls we see are those nominations are refused. Because they either one of the three um, sites used were not acceptable, uh, the salary or the employer details were not provided, Mm. uh, and that means you've lost the nomination fee of four thousand eight hundred plus the five hundred and forty, and and if you've lodged the visa application as well for for a couple, that's another five and a half thousand. So, you know that that's a ten and a half thousand dollar mistake that uh, that that quite a bit of of work that we do is when somebody's done them done this themselves the first place and and really made a simple error and then one day later they they get a refusal and no refund. So so it's it's yeah yeah.
1: So it can be a really costly exercise when um simple mistakes are made.
2: Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and and again and then you've you've also got to make sure that that your that your applicant is has the required skills to be approved. So part of it is making sure you know that, that they have the limited registration or they they have the other certifications required to be able to practice here in the countries that we're talking about you know generally there are reciprocal agreements so so having that registration here is not so not so complex um but they have to have that they have to have 2 years work experience in their field in order to be able to be sponsored so uh, you can make the, the mistake of employing a you know a, a great graduate who's got mm-hmm. six months post qualification experience because you need someone, um, but but they're not able to be sponsored and sometimes you don't find that out till too late. So it's it's just understanding the, the basics of what's involved through the process. Mm.
1: Justin, your company is Callum Wilson and Co.
2: That's right. Yes.
1: How long have you been doing this for?
2: Um, Well, my registration number is, is 93, which means 1993. And so, and I was doing it for some time before that as well. So. um,
0: Almost 30 years. At least. Yeah.
1: And if, um, if someone's wanting to get in contact with you to discuss sponsorship further, how would they do that?
2: Uh, that will either give us a call at the office, which is 96021720, mm-hmm. uh, or my my email address is justin at com. Our website is australianimmigration.com. Um, and so that's just the first port of call. And then what we normally ask for is somebody to provide us with the resume of the potential applicant so we can make a comment as to whether or not we think that's likely to be successful mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, provide us with, you know, an idea as to what they're sponsoring under and you know given the fields that we're talking about uh, the position descriptions are going to be normal pretty consistent in terms of what a speech pathologist would do or an OT will do but they might be different if they're in I guess a hospital environment or private practice or or in a you know multi-area clinic or whatever the case may be.
1: So your first step in the process is actually um, analysing assessing the CV of the, of the
2: therapist that's to, to we'll just, just, make, just making sure that we think the application has potential for success yeah. and, that, and that involves both the nomination side and the visa side. And when you do the nomination, you have to put in the visa applicant details. So you can't nominate one person, then decide somebody else is better or more appropriate and, and use that nomination approval on a different person. So you have to establish from beginning to finish that it's likely to work before, before you go through the process. And that's normally, you know, a 30-minute conversation or a few emails with um, something to understand what the circumstances are.
1: Fantastic. Justin, thank you so much for your time. Um, This is very topical within allied health at the moment. As Danielle mentioned, there's huge shortages of allied health professionals in Australia at the moment. Um, So thank you so much for your time. It's been the information you've provided has been really
2: valuable. You're welcome. Thanks, Justin. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review, and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in.